Hello and welcome to the Free Life Community Church Podcast. My name is John DeLille, and I'm the communications guy at Free Life Community Church in Terre Haute, Indiana. Each week, Senior Pastor Dan Willis brings a rich, detailed, and relevant message grounded in Scripture, which is recorded on Sunday mornings and made available for you right here. You can find more messages at freelifecc.com or in the Google Play and iTunes podcast app. Hey, if you've benefited from listening to these messages, we ask that you try to help us out. You can help us out in two different ways. First, you can give us a rating in the app store that you use. Secondly, share this podcast with a family member, a friend, or a colleague. This really does help us to get these messages into the hands of the people who can really benefit from them. All right, without further ado, here's Senior Pastor Dan Willis. As we continue this morning, I'm not going to do a traditional Labor Day uh, service. I want to continue in our sermon series on life lessons from James. Uh, some people... Um, uh, struggle with, with James. In fact, there are a couple of theologians as, uh, of old who struggle with James because he was pretty forthwith on what he had to say. And sometimes we don't really like that, the brutal honesty, do we? I mean, you're right. Uh, even if something is so, sometimes we don't want to hear it. Uh, but nevertheless, James doesn't pull any punches. And if you have your Bibles, turn with me to James chapter 4, scroll down to verse 13. Uh, this particular message I have entitled, With or Without God. And it's a big one too. It's got an awful lot of things in here, and I'm going to probably, due to time, probably have to uh, pick and choose what I'm going to talk about today because I think uh, an hour message is probably going to be a little lengthy for you. Uh, nevertheless, um, you can't do it in 30, 30 minutes, but we'll, we'll do what we can here. So anyway, uh, with or without God, listen to what James says, and I'm going to read today out of the New Living Translation. Uh, it's a paraphrased version, certainly not a direct translation, but, but I like the way the paraphrasers used it, and it doesn't detract or take away from the meaning at all, and I think it's really good that we would do it. So you follow whatever you have and listen to what James has to say. He says, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? That's stunning, isn't it? How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow. Friends, I have known people in all of my life who uh, went to bed and didn't wake up the next day. I have known people who planned for this or that and something else happened. You know, even my plans that I have for the week almost never end up going the way I'd like them to. Anybody? So um, who among us is going to say that, you know, the Lord wouldn't return in the next even 30 seconds? I want to pause there for a minute. How many of you thought about that, that maybe God would return in the next 30 seconds? And if He did, what would happen? See, this is, this is something we have to consider because it could be, right? The Bible's clear that it's just going to be bang and it's done. It's going to happen. We don't know a lot about it, but we know enough that we ought to be ready. Amen? James says, your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, and then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting, he says, is evil. Remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Friends, our society is changing rapidly. Anybody with me today? Listen, in my 55 years, okay? Now, I know I don't look 55 years old, but I am. <laughs> Actually, yesterday I was starting to feel it. 
And I didn't play softball this year. There's probably a reason for it. I was asked to play this past week with another team, and I said, uh, no. <laughs> it hurts for a week, so I'm not doing it. Anyway, so you, you and I both know that it, how many of you know that society has changed over your lifespan? And some of you are, are younger. Some of you are in your mid-30s or below, okay? We have a church of people that are, I think our demographics are typically about 24 to 44. That's, that's our largest group. We have, there are those of us who are over that. But we have a very diverse crowd of people, a very diverse people. We have much older, middle-aged, and younger. And, I love, and we all get along great. That's what I love about our church. Amen? Good stuff, okay? And our Mecca campus is, is sort of the same way. It's really good. We, we have, in my opinion, the perfect bedrocks for a church, and I'm grateful for that. God has been good to us, okay? But here's the thing, friends. I've been in law enforcement most of my life, off and on somewhere. And, and, and I can tell you this, even as of late, okay, uh, of course, you know, I left the sheriff's department in January, but, but the fact of the matter is, I have seen respect for law enforcement go from here to here that fast. And, and it's not just in law enforcement. It's, it's in everything. It's, it's in our schools. It's in the workplace. It's in, it's in, it's in government. It, it's in everything. And, and I'm not here to be a doomsday speaker to you. And I'm not here to give you a spanking neither, although sometimes... We get those, you know, uh, as, as uh, Bob will say sometimes, uh, I got my toe stepped on, I, I should have worn my steel-toed shoes. Uh, but when you read James, I think that's indicative for all of us because, he, again, he, he puts things on the line for you. But I, I want to change gears here for a minute, and, and, I'm, and uh, John and I were speaking this morning. He said, how, how are you going to put this together? And, and, and I explained it to him, and I think you may struggle with it at first too, but go with me here, Okay. I remember my lifetime when, uh, well, a lot of things as related to the United States and Russia or the Soviet Union at the time, the old Soviet Union. Nikita Khrushchev was a Soviet premier and first secretary a number of years ago during the Kennedy administration, uh, actually even before that. Uh, and, so, and then, of course, they, they got um, uh, Brezhnev came in, but it's a long story. Either way, Khrushchev was bad to the bone. He was a lifelong communist hardliner who didn't believe in freedom for citizens at all. He felt that people were too stupid to govern themselves and that somebody like him who was smarter ought to make all their decisions for him. You understand what I'm saying? Okay. He believed in total government control, socialism, communism, dictatorship. And they go in that order. You begin with so every, every, every society that's ever done it started with socialism went to communism, ended up in dictatorship. Every single one of them. It's never worked anywhere. Okay? You understand that? Don't believe me? Look at your history books. Now, here's the thing. When he couldn't control the people with socialism, he turned to communism and established the KGB to do it. Now, you've heard of the KGB before. How many of you would like to have a KGB in the United States? That's what I thought. If we're not careful, we may have one. Just saying. In 1956, at the Polish Embassy in Moscow, he was addressing Western ambassadors, including the American and British ambassadors. He is famous for threatening America, and he did so again during this time. Addressing capitalist ideals and states, he said, it does not depend on whether we exist or not. If you don't like us, then don't accept our invitations and don't invite us to come to see you. And whether you like it or not, history is on our side, and we will bury you. He was wrong, of course, but that's what he said. How many of you remember that famous quote, we will bury you? 
Not very many. And that brings me to another side point. Those who forget history or don't know it are doomed to repeat it. Amen? We will bury you. He said it. Okay? The speech immediately prompted the envoys from the 12 NATO nations in Israel to leave the room. Now, today, Russian communism is mostly dead. Mostly, I said. Because the leader of Russia is a communist, and he is an old KGB person. You know that, right? Democracy? Not real sure. In any case, American freedom lives on. For now. For now. It's clear, in my mind, that even the best laid plans of any society, of any peoples, the best laid plans may oftentimes never come to pass. No matter what you plan, it may not happen. It's happened in my lifetime. It's happened in my own life. Anybody identify? But many of us remember the fear we all had for the Soviet Union. We all worried about how much technology they had and whether or not they would actually use it. Anybody remember those days? I still remember the nuclear holocaust drills we had in, in schools. Anybody remember those? They used to say, get under your desk. What? Well, the desk isn't going to do much for you if you're vaporized, I'm going to tell you right now. Okay? But we had them anyway, uh, and, and they even showed us black and white reel-to-reel -reel films. You know, I'm, I'm really dating myself, I know that. I was on the cusp of the digital age, but it hadn't happened yet. And so as that began, we would watch those black and white films. You know, of course, they had the, the, the countdown, remember, it changed, remember, and then, then the film would come on. How many remember that? Yeah, okay. And then, and then and of course, then the teacher had to figure out how to run the projector and they had to get something, you know. Anyway, so they would do it, and then they would show the black and white film of what to do, and they would say, Here, here's how you use your gas mask. And then our teachers would tell us, we don't have gas masks, but when we get them, this is how you use them. Pretty funny, okay? And I look back and think what a screen that was, you know, but nevertheless, that happened. And, and I thought, what caused a society to have to do that? Preparedness. I know people today who have bomb shelters. Anybody? And I'm not telling you it's a bad idea, okay? But it was, it was more heightened back then. Here's the thing. Based on this threat from Khrushchev, the artist Sting, who used to be the lead singer for the rock group The Police, anybody remember those guys? I've seen them several times at concert. They're awesome. In any case, uh, he went out on his own, and he, he did this, this album a number of years ago, back in the early 80s, called The Dream of the Blue Turtles. Uh, and in, and I know that's kind of funny, but nevertheless, he had it. And, and he did this song called Russians on the album. Anybody remember it? Have you heard it? Well, you're going to hear it again today uh, because it's pertinent to what I want to talk about. And, and, and this is what he says. His message is pretty clear. It comes, it comes at the height of the Cold War. He says, war isn't really winnable because nobody wins in war. Now, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but that's it. He says, there's no such thing as a winnable war. It's a lie we don't believe anymore. He was right about what he said. Now, I'm not saying I, I philosophically align with Sting, because I don't, but he was right in this regard. And basically, more to the point, he says we're all losers, and he says that what might save us, me and you, is if the Russians love their children too. Wow. Amen? Right? Okay? So he seems to say that avoiding war and getting along as humans is what really is going to give us a future. I, I, would, I would agree with that. 
But here's the thing. Most people leave out one crucial truth. And that truth is, friends, that God is in control and people are not. Now, Sting may not believe in God. I'm not even sure. But I do. But my life wasn't always so. I struggled with it for a long time. And I thought that scientifically and philosophically, there's no way I could believe in a God who did things or didn't do things that I thought he ought to because I didn't understand him. Anybody else been here? Okay. But when I met the Savior, really met him, it changed my life completely. And I realized that God is not held to science or anything else. He's just God. Having said that, not much of us, or not very many of us, will live more than 100 years. Some of us will struggle to even get to 90, because that's just the way life is. Now, there are people that get past those. My grandparents did. I'm hoping I might, but I never know. And there are people that make it past 100. Not very many, but they do. But interestingly, here's what I do know. There is a life that's eternal. And isn't that what we're pursuing today? Isn't that what we're after? Aren't we really here today pursuing eternal life? Come on, guys. Aren't we? I would like to think so. And here's the deal. How long you live in this life will never matter. To the unsaved, it does. But to the saved, it really doesn't. To the saved, how long you live in this life really does not matter. And how your life ends really won't matter either. To the unsaved it might, but to you it shouldn't. Okay? Now let me, let me, let me clarify this for you. Because living forever in the next life should always be our focus. And that life completely comes from God. So our plan and concerns shouldn't revolve around world peace. Although you watch any beauty contest or Miss America pageant or whatever, and they all want world peace. Well, if we really want a world peace, we'd all be Christians, because that's the only way you're going to get it. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? And people say, you've got to be tolerant of other religions. Well, I'm not. I'm not because none of them can save them. And none of them will bring, bring world peace, neither. In fact, I can show you, since I have a master's in religion, I can show you of these religions that are not peaceful religions, even though people say they are. And I can quote from you from their manuscripts that says, kill those that don't agree with you. I can prove it to you today if you want me to. And if, if you don't believe me, before you leave today, you get a hold of me, I'll go to my office and I will prove it to you in their books, okay? Because we have to understand this. Now, here's the thing. I don't want to get on a side note here, but if they aren't very good at their religion, they might be people of peace. But, if, but they're really pursuing their religion, they have to kill you. Did you hear me? Okay. Now, I don't want to get off on that, but I want you to understand this. Christianity is the only religion that will bring you peace of any sort. And that's not debatable. Now, let's go a little further. <laughs> Our plans and concerns, what should they revolve around? Our eternal inheritance. Do your plans and concerns revolve around your eternal inheritance? Or are your plans today revolving around what you're going to do at lunchtime? Boy, that put a shock to your head, didn't it? 
Because you know what, friends? I think that's exactly what our plans revolve around. Things like that. Not that they shouldn't to a point, right? You can't just live life aloof all the time. I get that. But nevertheless, everything that you do and think, does it revolve around your eternal inheritance? Has it been? How about yesterday? Did it? Is it now? Or do you only really do that when you're in a church service? It's a fair question, isn't it? And it's one that's got to be asked and answered, I dare say, because it will be answered one way or the other. And here's the thing. God's got to be in your plans all the time for that to happen. The Bible says that the sands on the seashore are the amount of thoughts that God has toward you. How many of yours go toward Him? Hey, that's another fair question, isn't it? Okay? And not only our own plans, but what about the plans of everybody else on earth? I mean, what, what, what does the church have to do? What, what work does the church have to do? Does it really matter who's, who or what name was on the front door? Aren't we the church of God? Aren't we the church of Christ? Aren't we His? Regardless of our denominational differences or belief system? Either we're Christian or we aren't. Period. Okay? So we have a job to do, and I'm not sure the church is really doing that. Just my opinion. I don't give it often, but this is it. Okay? Having said that, friends, there are two irrefutable facts of life that we must consider if we want to have eternal life and if we want others to have it as well. But before we get to those things, I want you to watch this video from Sting on Russians. Go ahead, John.
Wake you up at all? That was meant to do that. I want you to see something very carefully here. Okay. The idea I want to present to you today is this. We can have peace amongst ourselves all we want. But in the end, it always fails because somebody becomes self-centered about something every time. They want something they don't have, and they'll do anything they can to get it, and usually war is the way they do it. Von Clausewitz was a 19th century philosopher, and this is what he said. War is a continuation of politics by other means. Huh. How indeed right he was. What the world needs is Christ, period. Period. Because that's the only thing that will keep us in peace. I have a couple of things I want to share with you today. First of all, how's this going to all go together? You see, friends, I, I don't have all the answers. I wish I did, but I don't. Nevertheless, I know what the answers are. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I know what they are. The Word of God is it. The first thing we have to understand is I must not ignore God. You must not ignore God. We must not ignore God. Over and over and over, the Apostle Paul says that when we do this, it's nothing more than disobedience and ungodliness. That's all it is. And he says we do it a lot. And if you read the Apostle Paul's epistles, you know that every time he writes to a church, he addresses it. Do not ignore God. Because when you try to live with one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of Satan, which is exactly what people do, which is this world, by the way, you're disobedient and you're ungodly. Either you're all in or you're all out. You see, we don't, we don't want to talk that way anymore. Because we live in a society of people that wants to compromise everything. I was talking to some people a number of weeks ago, and all they could tell me is worldview, worldview, worldview. That I ought to be, I ought to listen to someone else's worldview, regardless of what it is. Really? I don't think so. More to come on that. I'm not saying that we shouldn't listen to someone else's point of view. But when their point of view becomes wrong in their worldview, I'm done. My worldview comes from the Word of God. Because in the end, God's the one that determines it anyway, isn't He? Having said that, friends, some Christians fail to include God in their plans. And there are two ways that this can happen. One, by either failing to obey the Word of God or refusing to obey the Word of God. Did you hear that? Either they fail to obey the Word of God or they refuse to obey it. In Acts 24, Paul, uh, uh, Luke is writing, and it says, As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, That's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Does, it sound, uh, does that sound at all familiar to you? I'm thinking that a lot of us today obey God when it's convenient. It wouldn't be in the Scripture if it wasn't happening then, but I believe it's happening today, my friends. And the million-dollar question is, what's the difference between failing and obeying? What's the difference between fa failing and obeying? Yes, and refusing to obey has much dire consequences because, because there's more to it than just failure. When you fail to obey, it's for a variety of reasons. There are going to be consequences. But when you refuse to obey, not only do those consequences come into play, but 
you're going to be punished for it as well. And I have to tell you this, nobody in here wants to be punished by God for, for refusing to obey His commands. Nobody. Anybody disagree with me on that? Again, I'm not giving you a doomsday message today. I'm simply telling you that failure and refusal to obey God has dire consequences. And I think the world's going to find out. What do you think? Okay? The second reason we fail to obey God, friends, is this. We allow things of life to overtake all of our time and our pleasures. We're good at that too. Or, or rather, Satan is. Satan's good at keeping you busy with good things, my friends, that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God at all. I know that because I watch it happen every day, not just in my life, but yours. Amen? Happens all the time, okay? Listen to the words of Jesus himself in Luke 8, 14. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they're choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. In other words, Christ is saying his people get so caught up in all the weeds and garbage of life that we're not focused on things above, and we never mature as Christians. Listen, this is my opinion. It, it's the Word of God. It's Jesus' opinion. What do you say to that? What do we say to that? You know, friends, I think that this describes a lot of Christians today, even some of us here in this church. But you know what's truly sad? Many will hear this truth. They will nod their heads and then ignore it. They hear the truth, nod their heads in acknowledgement, and ignore it, do nothing about it. How and why do these things happen? Well, I think mostly because many of us don't know what it really means to put God first in our lives. I really think that's true. I think, I think as I've looked over on my ministry, I've seen Christian after Christian after Christian, church after church after church, where the people go to church, they talk about God, they do good godly things at times, but they never really put God first in everything that they do. They never really do it. It's a sacrifice, I know that. I realize it, it at least at the beginning. But when you've done it, you find out it's no sacrifice at all. Anybody been there? Know what I'm talking about? You see, this is it. It's a decision. You have to make it. And it's not going to be popular with people you know. It might not even be popular with your own psyche. But once you do it, and the devil's going to know it, and he's going to be all over you with it too, trying to get you off track. does it all the time. Anybody know that? Okay? So you have to maintain your discipline and keep your eyes focused on things above. It can be done, and it should be done. God demands that it be done. It, is, it isn't optional, although we've made it optional, unfortunately, in the church. And here's the thing. I think most of us believe that what we're doing now is the right way. Think on that for a minute. What we're doing, what we're acting, you know, how we're, how we're doing things, we believe that that's the best and right way. The problem is we don't get to make that decision. Neither should we define the measuring stick. God does that, all of it. And He alone will determine whether you did or you didn't. What's, and what you thought or felt is not going to matter. Do you understand that? It's not going to matter at all. 
And I don't think God agrees with us personally about what we think we're doing is right. I think he has a different view of what putting him first looks like. What do you think? But that's, of course, between you and God. And I do hope that you evaluate your life with him. And if you want my opinion about what's going on in your life, make an appointment with me. We'll look at the scripture and do it together. Fair enough? I'll make that deal with anybody. Let's look at the scripture. Let's look at what you're doing in life or not doing. Put them together and find out where you're short. Listen, you have to do this, whether with me or someone else or by yourself, but you better do it. Because again, what God says is the only thing that's ever going to matter. And I'm not a, you know, I'm not a legalist. I'm not a, I don't, you know, do this stuff all the time, but I'm looking at what James is saying and realize that I think we're falling short as Christians in our, in our world today. So here's the deal, friends. We can all be much better. What do you think? How many of you think you could probably be better? Yeah. Yeah, because we can all approve. John Wesley said that Christian perfection was possible. Because if it wasn't, then what Christ did at Calvary wasn't complete. But the deal here is this. He hadn't reached it. He said he didn't reach it. Didn't think any human ever would outside of Christ. But we should always pursue it. Amen? And didn't God give us the way? Didn't He make the way through Christ dying on the cross and absolve us of our sin and then give us the power of the Spirit to stay on the path? Amen? Amen. Listen, friends, I don't know about you. We don't know the sheep and the goats all that well. We're going to talk about that here in a few minutes. But I, I'm telling you, if, if you're in that group, you want to be in the sheep. Anybody? Okay. Without question, we should know why or we claim we don't. Now, you ask, you know, if you raise kids, you know that to be true, right? <laughs> Why did you do that? Well, I don't know. Well, I think you probably did. But here's the thing. We want to give ourselves a crutch as to why we didn't. But let's humor ourselves and look at why failing to include God in our plans is foolish. First of all, we fail to realize the uncertainty of life. That's the first thing. We fail to recognize the brevity or the shortness of life. And then we fail to recognize that God himself is who controls the future. So we put our faith in our own plans. The Bible says that's a bad idea. The Bible also says that not including God in your plans is boastful. Now, how, how in the world can he be boastful by believing in your own plans? Because the fact is, your plans may not work. In fact, oftentimes they don't. The only plans that really work are God's. So anytime you put stock in your own plans, you're actually being boastful. And the fact is, we must realize that boastfulness is actually nothing more than sinful pride. Friends, whether you realize it or not, society is absolutely ignoring God. But I doubt that there's very many people in this room today that disagree with that. I think most people believe that as our society continues to degrade, we are less and less dependent upon God, and the less dependent on God we are, the more we ignore Him. Hmm? My wife and I have been going back each night um, when we have a few minutes of downtime just to just to kind of, you know, get some things off our minds at night, we'll watch the Andy Griffith Show. And we started watching the first uh, <laughs> first episodes before I was born. Uh, but um, I, I don't think I'd ever seen some of the first episodes, but um, everybody in town went to church. And everybody in town seemed to do the right thing even when they didn't at first. That's not, tr that's not true today, it, it, is it? 
It's not like that. Now, I realize this is a video, but the video was done to, you know, to project what was actually being done in life. And, and if we were to do the same type of show today, it wouldn't look like that at all, would it? Most people don't attend church, and most people don't necessarily do the right thing. In fact, most people don't want to do the right thing anymore. You know what, what's a travesty? We don't, we, we're do, we've been doing this for so long, we don't even know what the right thing is sometimes. And then we'll argue for the wrong thing that is right. Society's doing it right now. And the only, the only thing I know that's right is right here. And it doesn't matter to me which version of the Scripture you've got. I, I, you know, people want to complain or they want to fight over the King James or the NIV. Stop it. The most important version is the one that you'll read. Amen? Get in there. Are there some differences? Yes. Yes. But the main thing is the main thing in the Word of God. Yeah? Okay? So let's be in there. And then argue about the trivial things. Yeah? Society is absolutely ignoring God. And it's easily recognizable in the things that we've done. We've taken God out of everything. Government, schools, business, even conversation. We've removed God. And because we have, our morality in society is in the toilet. You can't deny it. I was talking to my good friend, Scott Longyear, here a couple weeks ago. He said the same thing. Same thing. And he said, you know what, Dan? I will make this comment to people at Maryland Community Church, and they'll look at me and say I'm nuts. He said, I understand if we do it to people outside the church that don't know, don't believe. But people in the church? I know, Scott. In fact, friends, we live in a time that people are actually offended if you mention God or any other religious belief. Did you know that? They're offended if you mention it. And yet, God is our creator. In fact, our society, our country, the United States of America, was founded on Christian principles, on the Word of God. It wasn't founded on being a Muslim. It wasn't founded on being a Buddhist. It wasn't founded on being a Mormon. It was founded on Christianity. Now... Do we allow in our Constitution for the belief and practice of other religions? Of course we do. That's what democracy does. But it wasn't founded on those other things. None of them. Again, this is not my opinion. It's fact. Go back and look. Amen? How many knows it? Do you think we're teaching that in school today? Why not? If it's factual, why aren't we teaching it? Because it's religious and nobody wants to hear it. Okay. I'll go further than that. Did you know that there, there is so much intolerance toward Christianity that we actually are, are promoting more tolerance toward Muslims and Buddhism? More tolerance toward other religions than Christianity. And do you know why? And there's, this is easy. It is, has got nothing to do with people. We're just the pawns. Satan is 100% behind it because he knows that any nation under God will stand. And did you know, friends, that there are people in our society today that want to take that phrase out of the Pledge of Allegiance? Who's behind that, do you suppose? Of course, Satan's got nothing to do with it, does he? He's got everything to do with it. Here's another thing. One day, people will not be able to ignore God. 
They won't. How many of you know that? Who knows that one day you will never ignore God? Okay? But, of course, you know, as usual, when I make a statement, what am I going to do with it? I'm going to back it up with Scripture every time, friends. Because, again, it isn't my opinion. Paul says in Romans 14, verse 11, it is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge God. How many of you believe that to come true? Come on. Revelation 6, 12 to 17, listen carefully. And when I saw the Lamb open the sixth seal, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black like sackcloth of goat hair. And the whole moon turned blood red. Didn't it, Billy? Where's Billy? Billy's not here today, is he? Oops. Billy knows what I'm talking about. Okay? And the stars of the sky fell to the earth like unripe figs dropped from a tree shaken by a great wind. The sky receded like a scroll being rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved from its place. Then the kings of the earth, the nobles, the commanders, the rich, the mighty, and every slave and free man hid in the caves among the rocks of the mountains. And they said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall upon us and hide us from the face of the one seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to withstand it? Now, of course, I, you know I didn't make that up, right? Revelation chapter 6, verse 12. To 17. Do you know that humanity only has so much control? We only control so much. Here's the question. Does God allow us to decide what we're going to do each day? Yes. It's called free will. And some of you will choose wisely and some of you won't. And we can come up with a gazillion particular things which we've made good decisions and others where we have not. Yeah? Sometimes we think we're making good decisions. Later on, fine, we didn't. And hopefully we learn from those, yeah? And yet some people are in this perpetual motion of loop. Of course, that's never happened with any of us either. And at the moment, God allows us to make those decisions. But the time's going to come when that will no longer be possible. Because when God determines that the end of time has come, then we will no longer be able to decide. Are you aware of that today? Now, here's the question. Do you want to be part of the people who live with God in eternity? Or perhaps you would prefer to miss it? Come on, guys. This is a, this is a decision that every human with a sane mind has to make. Every one of us. Even our children, in some manner, will make that decision. Yes or no? And do we get to determine whether they can make that decision or not? No, but God does. Here's the thing. You see how backward we are? We want to tell our kids that they can make decisions about what they're going to do in life when they're five, six, and seven years old. Whether they want to go to church or not. Seriously? But we will turn around and tell God, that's not fair that you would make them make a decision where they want to spend eternity. They don't know enough about it. Really? This stuns me that we would do that. What has happened to us? Huh? Hmm. In Matthew 25, listen to what Jesus says. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, he will sit on his glorious throne, and all the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from the other, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you are accursed, 
into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, I paraphrase some of that. I took, I didn't paraphrase. I took some here and some there, and I put them together. But nevertheless, that's what he says. It's right there. I think it's pretty obvious I ought not ignore God. What do you think? Not only can I not ignore God, friends, I must obey God. I must obey God. Again, I want to go back to this worldview. There are people, and I'm not picking on any particular generation. Don't hear me say that because I'm not doing it. But there are people of a younger generation that believe that tried and true methods, rules, science, all sorts of different things are no good. And that whatever they think is. They believe the philosophies that have been tried and true for years are worthless. And that we are old fogies and know nothing. Yeah, the same way I thought that my grandparents were old fogies and knew nothing. And now I realize that my grandparents knew an awful lot more than I thought they did. Anybody with me here? I believe, friends, that a worldview could be important. I believe that some people have an idea of certain things. Other people have another idea of certain things. But I want to share with you this in its entirety. You can do it with a lot of things, even the philosophies of the world, even though sometimes those can be refuted. And here's another thing. Science changes. What we once knew, we no longer do anymore. Okay? Medically, what we once knew, we no longer do anymore. I remember watching Star Trek one time, and uh, it was uh, one of the movies, I think. And, uh, yeah, they came, they came to the... Uh, uh, they came into the back from the future into, into, in time in order to get some whales. Who remembers that? Yeah, because it was a long story. But they had to get some whales. And when they got here, uh, uh, Commander uh, Chekhov got hurt. He fell. He got hurt. And, and, and he was put in a, in, a, in a hospital back in the 20th century. Of course, we're, you know, <laughs> right? And so, in the, and so they, the doctors were going to do certain things. And Dr. McCoy gets there right before they perform surgery on him. And he says, are you crazy, man? You're going to kill him. He says, here, I'm going to do this. He takes this little thing, makes him all better, see? Repairs it for this, it'd be great if we had that, you know. And you know what? That's not so far-fetched. Because they used to bleed people, called bloodletting, back, you know, 100 years ago. They would, you know, you know take all your blood out with you dying, you know, and put new blood in you, thinking that, and it doesn't, listen, we wouldn't even dream of that today. You see, see how society has changed and how medic, medicine has changed? So, everything changes. Philosophies, too. But we've got to go back and look at the philosophies of what was said and why, based on the time. Here's the thing what you cannot do. What I always knew as a kid has changed. And what my grandparents thought from their time, there are some things they said that I know wasn't right. It was based on their time, and they were wrong. And my children and my grandchildren and beyond, just like yours, are going to look back at us and say, yep, Grandma and Grandpa were wrong about certain things, but they made decisions based on what they actually knew. That's going to change in time. I know that. But when we start getting these worldview ideals, here's one thing that never changes. Ever. For any reason. And you know what they want to do? Change it. Because the worldview of today or yesterday or tomorrow somehow changes the Word of God. And the Bible says completely, the Word of God is the same today and always. Christ is the same today and always. It will never change. 
Paul says in his letter to Timothy that the Word of God is good for admonishing, for teaching in all things, in all time. It will never change. And people want to tell me, even Christians, that it's antiquated. When they meet Christ, they're not going to say that. I'm certain of that too. Anybody? We must obey God. Here's what doesn't matter. <laughs> Your worldview, their worldview does not matter. It never will. But to know the commands and not obey the commands compounds the guilt. You understand that? Luke 12, 47 and 48, the servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beat with many blows. But the one who does not know and, or who doesn't know and, do, and does things deserving punishment will be with, with a few blows. So in other words, if you knew, it's this. But if you didn't know, it will be less. The question is, do you know or not? According to Paul, we're without excuse, we know. Because God's done everything to tell us. Romans 1, yes or no? It's there, Romans 1, read it. I don't think this is a consideration we often think about. You can't just, just refuse to obey. Because not only will the natural order of things happen for, for not obeying, but you're going to be punished for not obeying as well. It's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. It's two punishments almost. Now, I want to move forward because we're, we're going to lose some time here. We have to make serving God the goal and direction of our lives. Let's, let's go there. Did you hear me? It's on, it's, on, it's on your outline. You must, as a Christian, you must make serving God the goal and the direction of your life. Anything else is, is, is absolutely secondary. Everything else is secondary. Yes, your job. Yes, your spouse. Yes, your children. It's secondary. The world will say, you're crazy. And God says, not so much. Because God knows that if you put serving Him first, then your job, your spouse, your children will get more than they would otherwise. They will get what they're supposed to have if your eyes are focused here in serving Him. Yes or no? I told every single one of my girls, every last one of them, you marry a man who loves God more than you. And if you do it, he'll love you the way Christ loves the church. Hmm? How accurate is that? Paul tells the Philippians in chapter 2 to continue to work out their salvation with fear and trembling. It's not enough just to get saved and think, oh, I've arrived. <laughs> no, God wants your service. Every day, Yeah. He wants to be in your thoughts every day. And you know what? When we're at our jobs, sometimes he's not in here. Even me. When I'm not doing spiritual things or with people, sometimes I'm doing business of the church. I realize that sometimes I'm just doing business and not letting God get in here. He has to be. Doesn't he? Has to be. Now, here's the thing. The first thing that has to happen to serve God is you have to become a Christian. Don't you? Acts 26, Agrippa said to Paul, do you think that in such a short time you can persuade me to be a Christian? Paul replied, short time or long, I pray, that, I pray to God that not only will you, but all who are listening to me today 
may become what I am except for these chains. That everybody will get saved and not be in chains. Wow. Because Paul realizes that people that aren't saved are in chains. They just don't know it. They're in chains to sin and they're in chains to Satan. Period. Yeah? You see, God wants everybody to become a Christian. Even your Muslim and Mormon friends and your Buddhist friends, your atheist friends. Who in here did not know that? How many of you do know it? Friends, tolerance? If they really, really want to practice those things, I'll be tolerant for their right to do it. But I'm not going to stop sharing the gospel with them. Anybody? Come on. And there's a right way and a wrong way to do it too. Amen? Arguing with them isn't the way. You know the best way to show them Christ? Just live Him. Yeah? Because sooner or later, something's going to happen in their life, and whatever God they're serving ain't going to work for them. And they're going to come to you. I know that because it's happened more times than I can count. And God's good about bringing people across your path, isn't He? Here's the question now. Do you have a life suitable with Him that He would do that? Because if you don't, He won't. If you're not really a Christian, God's not going to bring people across your path. So it goes right back to me, doesn't it? It goes right back to you, doesn't it? Did you know that God wants everybody to believe? God desired that everyone... Every one of you become a Christian. Do you understand what that means? Paul understood. King Agrippa was perhaps the most vile person in all of the region. And Paul wanted him to become a Christian. Is that sinking in? He wanted to save Agrippa. God did, in spite of who he was. Does... Does God know people in your life that aren't saved that He wants to save? The question is, do you? Do you want to save them? Does it really matter what their religion is? Are we really going to let tolerance get in the way? Tolerance to what? Practice any way you want to. I'm not, I'm not going to stop you. But I'm going to preach the gospel to you. I'm going to teach Christ to you by my life. And my words. In the end, it's up to you. You decide. But I'm going to keep presenting it. You keep doing whatever it is you want to do, though. Yeah? Isn't that what Christ did? Didn't He do that? Did He pursue the rich young ruler after He walked away? No. But He told him, didn't He? See? This is the point. It also means more than that. It means we're going to work diligently and tirelessly in the service of God. Romans 12, 1 to 2 and 9 to 13. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed, get this, by the renewing of, yeah, worldview out the window. Because the renewing of my mind isn't the worldview, it's God's view. Anybody with me here? Okay? And when they want to give me their worldview, I want to go back to Scripture and see where, it, it, where they separate. You follow me? Okay? Renewing of your mind. Then, he says, you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His pleasing, good, and perfect will. He says, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. And listen to this. 
Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. I wonder if we're doing that today. Where's my spiritual fervor? Where's your spiritual fervor? Are we really putting God first in everything we do, every thought? Are we? You have to ask yourself the question, and you better be honest with yourself too, because God's going to be brutally honest with you. Amen? Okay? Be joyful in hope, be patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, and share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Here's my question. Everybody look up to me. Listen to me. What are you zealous about? What has captured your attention? Is it yourself? Is it your spouse? Is it your children? Is it your friends? Is it your job? Is it the hobbies that you have? Is it sports? Is it cars? Is it education? Is it money? That's a big one. What is it? What has captured your attention? Where do you put your everything? Where are your efforts? In the time of the day, in the 24 hours, everybody's got it the same. Where are you putting your efforts? What's got your attention? What in your life gets your passion, your energy, your enthusiasm? Is it God is the question. Is it? See, everybody in here knows the answer. Every single one of you, myself, we know the answer. Right now we know it. Now, if it's not where it ought to be, we'll start, we'll start compromising and making a deal with ourselves in our own minds. We will. That's what we're all doing. But you have to be honest. Or it won't work. And let's face it, we're not always honest even with ourselves, are we? Okay? Let alone anybody else. And, and, and friends, how can you be honest with God if you're not honest with yourself? But again, is God going to be honest with you? So shouldn't our zealousness be around the Father? Shouldn't it? Let, let's go a step further. Society is not obeying God. Not only are they ignoring God, they're not obeying Him. Agreed? And honestly, is there any doubt about that? Really? Now, we can see the prophetical predictions of the Bible in our everyday lives. And I've got a lot of scripture I'm going to read to you. I know we're out of time, but I'm going to read these scriptures to you. They're lengthy, but you've got to get this. I want you to understand this. I, I, I apologize briefly for the, for, the, for the length of this. But you have to get this, friends, because I don't want you walking out of here and not knowing. Not just for yourself, but anybody you come into contact with. Because you know somebody that's going to argue with you on this. And when they do, this scripture is going to come to your mind, and you're going to go right to it and say, here it is. Because I know what's happened. When people have argued with you on certain things, you'll, you're, your mind's, you're beating yourself trying to figure out what the scripture was you want to bring to them, and you can't think of it. And, of course, that's not an accident. But if you're hiding the scripture in your heart, you've heard it, and you dwell upon it, and you're moving on it, it will come to your mind. Who knows that? Excerpts from 2 Timothy uh, Chapter 3, New Living Translation first. I'm going to show you the difference. New Living Translation, 2 Timothy chapter 3. You must understand that in the last days there will come times of much trouble. Did you hear that? People will love themselves and they will love money. They will have pride and tell of all the things they have done. They will speak against God. Children and young people will not obey their parents or any authority. People will not be thankful, and they will not be holy. They will not love one another. 
No one can get along with them. They will tell lies about others. They will not be able to keep from doing things that they know they should not do. They will be wild and want to beat and hurt those who are good. They will stay true to their friends, but not God. And then they will not stay true to their friends. They will act without thinking. They will think too much of themselves. They will love fun instead of loving God. Are you hearing this? They will do things to make it look as if they are Christians, but they will not receive the power that is there for a Christian. Keep away from such people, he says. These are the kind of people who are always listening to a new teaching, hence are, are these, these generational things, right? They're always listening to new teaching. They are never able to understand the truth. So do these teachers fight against the truth today? Their minds think only of sinful things. They have turned against the Christian teaching, but they will not get very far. Now, that's paraphrased version. ESV, English Standard Version, like New American Standard, are two direct translations. One is used here in the United States, usually the other is in Europe, uh, but they will accept the, the other in seminary, okay? I've told you that before. ESV, listen to this. But understand this, in the last days, there will be times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving the good, treacherous, reckless, swollen in conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying His power, avoid these people. Yikes. I read that and I think, yep. Anybody? Really? Want to go further? I mean, we're, I mean, friends, if, if you have questions, don't ask someone this opinion. Go to the Word of God. The Word of God has answers. Here's the Word. Romans 1, chapter 18 to verse, verses 32. Listen. But God shows His anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because He has made it obvious to them. Did you hear that? For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. Though through everything God has made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. You did hear that, right? Not mine. Who says it? Paul does. And of course, we're going to say, well, if Jesus didn't say it, then it's no good because we can't take the Apostle Paul's word. And yet, who called Paul specifically and personally? Jesus did. And who put his spirit in Paul where he knew things that not even the disciples knew? Jesus did. So this is coming from the Word of God. It's coming from Paul's mouth because the Holy Spirit put it there. Yeah? Okay? Yes, and they knew God, but they wouldn't worship Him as God or even give Him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas about what God was like. Hmm? As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Hmm? Claiming to be wise, instead they became fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look more like people and birds and animals and reptiles. Happening? So God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. And as a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. Hmm? They traded the truth about God for a lie. And so they worshiped and served the things that God created instead of the Creator Himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. 
That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal relations with women, burned with lust for one another. Now, of course, this is the New Testament. You hear me? Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty that they deserved. Since they thought of it as foolish to acknowledge God, He abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never have been done. Their lives became full of envy, of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand, they break their promises, they're heartless, and they have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, and yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. It's right there. Romans 1, 18 to 32. Read it yourself. Don't take my word for it. I'm just, I'm just the messenger. I'm telling you. It's right there. And how are we going to explain that away exactly? How do you explain that away? Friends, I have a doctoral degree in theology. You understand me? I can't explain it away. You, you could have a kindergarten education, and you couldn't explain that away. Nobody can. And when you do, here's the reason why. You don't like it. You don't want to believe it, and you're going to deny it and say it isn't so. And it might work today, but the day when Christ comes, it will not work. And I'm being as point blank and blunt with you as I can possibly be. And even if I'm preaching to the choir, you know people in your life that don't get it. Amen? Friends, that's society. But here's the deal. Lastly, the church isn't obeying God. <laughs> yeah, I said it. And I'm going to give you not opinions, just three scriptures here to close us out. Just three scriptures, and there's more. But I have three. And if the church was obeying God, I'm going to make this statement. If the church was obeying God, these scriptures wouldn't be in the scripture. They wouldn't be there. But the church isn't obeying God, and it wasn't then. Matthew 7, 20, uh, 21 to 23, Jesus talking. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and your name perform miracles? Then I will tell them plainly. He says plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. If the church, which is who he's talking to, okay, was obeying God, would it be there? Would he have said it? No. Point two. Luke 10, 25 to 28, Jesus again, an expert in the law stood up to test him saying, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He asked him, how do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. Well, if we were doing it, he wouldn't have to say it. Now, would he? Unbelievable. Point three comes from Hebrews, chapter six. You know I believe the Apostle Paul wrote Hebrews in conjunction with the Apostle Luke. Listen carefully. It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, and who have fallen away to be brought back to repentance. To their loss, they are crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Now, friends, if the church 
wasn't together and if people didn't become Christians and then walk away from it, it wouldn't be here. Satan surrounds you and the church wanting you to either walk away from it or at least compromise it so much that you no longer look or act like a Christian. And what churches think a Christian is and looks like does not matter. What God says does matter. What the Word of God says matters, not what we think and not what we feel. Your worldview does not count. Did you hear me here? Friends, I, listen, I'm just being honest, and I have to look in the mirror every day, okay? So I, I, I know how hard this is. I know, I know what, what you're thinking. I know what you're feeling. I get it. But here's what I know. We can do this. We can do it. And as our worship team comes, we close this thing up. Listen, listen carefully. What the world needs, friends, is God. Say it with me. Say it with me. What the world needs is God. What the world needs is God. Now, the world's going to say it needs a lot of things. It wants a lot of things. But what does the world need? Do, we, do I want world peace? Yes, I do. But I'm not going to stand up in a beauty pageant and say, I want world peace. Because I know how you're going to get it. And I know saying it doesn't get it. I know believing in the Word of God and practicing life as a Christian, that's what will bring it. And, and sharing it with other people, that's what will bring it. Amen? You see, all things are up to God. All things are up to Him. And our worldview doesn't matter now, and it never will. Nobody's worldview ever matters. Because if everybody followed the Lord, we wouldn't uh, fear our fellow man regardless of the nation. I wouldn't fear the Russians. I wouldn't fear the Soviets. If they were Christians, real ones, and they wouldn't fear me. Amen? Sting says, we share the same biology regardless of ideology. Yes, we do. But I say that if we, allow, if we allow ourselves, if we all followed Christ, and if we all obeyed the Word of God the way it was intended, our ideology would be the same. Not only would our biology match, our ideology would match. And isn't that what the Holy Spirit does? Doesn't the Holy Spirit come in and, and take up residence when you get saved, regardless of where you're from or what, what you've done or what you hadn't done? Doesn't it come in and doesn't it make your spirit match with theirs and match with God? Isn't our ideology all the same then? Isn't it? Isn't it in theory that's what it's supposed to do? The fact is it's not theory. That's what it does. And if it doesn't, somebody doesn't have the Spirit. Amen? Now listen. At the end of time, none of us would have to worry at all. Because we would belong to Him. The fact is, either you will be with God or you'll be without Him. It's real simple. And it's completely up to you. You can, you, can, you can do this, friends. Every one of us in here can do it today. And if, and if you haven't or if you wondered, well, why leave today without knowing? If you've been struggling in life, okay, God's cool with that. He understands, but He's here to fill you today. He's here to heal what ails you. He's here to, to help you in your pursuit of Him. The altar is always open. You didn't even have to wait for the invitation to get here. Right? You know that. If you want to be better, here you are. If you know somebody that isn't, here you are. If you know somebody that you need to witness to, here you are. If you know somebody that's of a, of a different opinion, whether it's a different Christian opinion that doesn't count or if it's a, 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 a different religion that we know doesn't count, well, 
this is the place. And if you need to spend more time in your word and you're not doing it, if you know that your 24 hours, is that this, this weeds and things are, are taking up time, even good stuff, and you need to give God more time, well, isn't this the place to be? Because he'll help you. So let's stand together today, okay? And again, you can do this. Christ made the way. And my question is, what are your plans for your future? Are they the grave or are they eternity? It's up to you. And you can make it today, right now. Are you ignoring God? Are you obeying Him? Ask Him. Don't have your own opinion. Ask Him, and He will tell you.